said that in Egypt, yeah. about 14 doctors in her hospital are quitting today. Wow, that's so insane. So he said by, like, in 15 wow. years, we're going to have no doctors. In Lebanon, yeah, too. because these things, in Lebanon left. when they swing badly, when you, when you, when you do something badly, it the swings back badly. And you end up never getting that middle that you're looking for. Are we alive? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safin Society. Nothing but facts live stream. Uh, after which we were off for what was supposed to be three weeks, uh, three days, four days, which turned out into to being two full weeks. And the reasoning behind that was something that I'll tell you the full story another time uh, when it's not so fresh in a lot of our memories, the people who are involved. But it was basically an, what we could call a series of unfortunate misunderstandings and miscommunications. Because of that series of unfortunate events, uh, misunderstandings and miscommunications. That series I of ended up uh, being stuck out of the country for a long time, which six days for me is a long time. And I'm not even, I don't even take, I'm not even a vacation type. Vacation to me is work, right? To work. If you give me a vacation, to me a vacation is to, is to do more work, right? Uh, that's what I enjoy doing. Uh, a vacation for me would be to go for... Um, uh, or something that would be a vacation uh, rest and relaxation on my couch <laughs> that's it on my couch order a pizza right don't make noise Somebody's asking you lost weight. I did lose weight did I look like I lost weight I think I did lose weight right because uh, of the situation and the thing is that yeah to me when you get older here's the thing you have so many responsibilities on your shoulders. It's not that I don't like it. I enjoy it. Every minute of it. Right? And even if I didn't enjoy it, I would keep telling myself I enjoy it and find a way to enjoy it because that's the only way to get through it. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's easier said than done. I think you can raise, his, raise that whole camera yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Right? But when you get older, you realize the great joy of silence. Right? The great joy of just literally no one's texting you, pinging you, calling you, talking to you. And just get me a grandma pizza. You know the grandmas where they What's slop the, the pasta and it, I mean the sauce. And they plop some pieces of white cheese on it. Not the regular pizza. It's called the grandma. It's also known as a Brooklyn pie. Right? Throw some herbs on that. Get me an ice Coke. Because if you're on vacation and you're relaxing, I don't want to be healthy. I want to be unhealthy, right? Um, that's the whole point of being um, on vacation, right? I can exercise later. But that's the idea here. And it ended up being a lot longer because of a, as we said already. You know, right, we could bring that right in front of AU. Straight. Yeah. yeah. So it's a straight shot. We have with us our guest. He's back from Jordan. As basically, that was your pilot program to study in Jordan, right? You were just uh, examining what you're going to study. Testing the waters. Testing the waters. Yeah. So what you could do, inshallah, we're going to get to Sheikh Murad Uthman. He's going to be your, he's going to be your Aqida teacher for ArcView, which we are revamping, actively revamping ArcView. He's going to be your Aqida teacher next year, okay, for adults. He's teaching adults next year. 
Okay, Ryan and um, Murad, you're actually um, relieved from youth duties next year. The youth classes online. Moving on up. Yeah, will be uh, Sister Hala is now doing youth, right? Every time we have someone teach kids at Arcview, like kids, kids, that's good. Right? They they end up saying, you know what? Um, the kids they don't pay attention. It's very hard for kids to learn online, unless it's a video that they could rewatch over and over. But live online doesn't work. So they always want to go up to the teenagers. So Sister Hala, she was doing kids. Now she's going to be doing teenagers. Inshallah. Which relieves you you guys. And Moeen, same thing. Moeen is doing teenage, yeah, like middle school and teenagers. Okay. So hey, actually, you'd be a good fit for those kids too. One day. We keep him on the, uh, on the bench for that. Or in the, uh, in the re- relief, yeah. In the bullpen. Um, Sheikh Murad, inshallah, will be teaching the Aqidah classes. Uh, for It's going to be a one-year course, Aqidah, once a week. I'm telling you, you will learn. Right? You will learn. You're going to learn a lot. So that's going to be on ArcView Basic, we're revamping the entire thing. When you see the new ArcView website, you're going to be like, wow, I need to take these classes. All right, so today we resume our schedule. Mondays, we do, we look and read some tafsir. Tuesdays, we read Shema'il of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam. Wednesday, affairs of the ummah. Thursday, stories of the awliya. And this week, bifadlillah, we have a full week. And pretty much, I don't see that there's that being any days off for another while. There's not going to be any time. I'm, we're going to be like going straight shot to Thanksgiving break. With nothing but facts. Straight shot. And that's when America works. America works to September, October, November. Thanksgiving break, everything slows down until December. After December... People are so slow and heavy and sick from eating too much food and, and having the vacation. Gluttony season. Gluttony. You slowly move through January. You don't even know how you get through February, right? Uh, and then spring break, March, you start smelling spring break, right? March, you start smelling the spring. And then after that, it summer be- break. becomes summer break and you don't work again. So we really only work, seriously, in America for three months a year. And then, and then we get through three months a year, and then spring and summer is always spotty. And for us, of course, we have the month of Ramadan is moving up now. I think it's into March this year. March. Yeah. March, and then half of... And then eventually, my favorite, and I think everyone's favorite memories, if you don't have this, it's really great to have uh, this, especially as a teenager or a college student, Ramadan in the winter break. Mm. Right, when you have the whole winter break, and you have at least a week off if you're in high school, but... In college, the whole, uh, and then the nights are uh, really long, and the days are really short. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can have iftar, you can wait like an hour or two, rest, relax, digest. Then you go to tarawih, like full of energy. Unlike now, you have to have iftar when you're famished because you've been fasting all day. So you probably overeat a little bit. You got to go to the tarawih right away. You're heavy, you're miserable, you may have to go to the bathroom, it's terrible. So, but now the, the nights are going to be so long. Imagine what we're going to do in the masjid, like with all the youth. And especially if it's winter break, they're going to be off. When it was summer break and they were off, we didn't even close the masjid. The youth just stayed the whole day. Just pass out and to have suhoor in the masjid. We would just order suhoor in the masjid 
And you just pass out right there. Your mom picks you up. You get kidnapped. It's your business, right? <laughs> but that was that was how it is, and that's how it's going to be. And when it started moving into the um, into the school year, I remember the whole masjid. It was in August, like two years in a row, three years in a row. Once it started moving into September, we're like, wow, it feels so weird. Like the kid, no one's coming out for the weeknight tarawih. It's quiet. And it was like sort of a little bit depressing. Um, in any event, here we go. Surah Al-Qadr. Surah Al-Qadr, first of all, is a Makkiyah, of course. And it refers to the revelation. We read from... Um, our favorite tafsir, Al-Baghawi, Imam Al-Haddad recommends it as the best of tafsir. Why did he call it the best of tafsir? Because, number one, neither is it mulakhas nor mubassat. Nor, not, it's not two wajis like, for example, uh, As-Siyuti, yeah. right? Jalalain, barely, one word for one word. Nor is it so long that you, you, you fall into it and you can never get them any thamra because it's too long, such as Ar-Razi. Okay? Uh, who, it, you read Ar-Razi when you have time and you want to really get into something. Because Ar-Razi will say, Inna anzalnahu fi al-qadr. On Inna, there are five points. Yeah. On the first point, there are four points. And he's very logical, but it will take you a while to get the thamra. So that's the first thing. Secondly, he is a Shafi'i, he's a Persian. Shafi'i and Ash'ari, so his aqidah points in the work are wonderful. Thirdly, he covers lugha, but not so much lugha that, you know when you get into the lugha and eventually you want to just skip that section? He doesn't get so much into lugha, but you will learn lugha. What he does get into, almost more than uh, many others, is the qira'at. He's an expert in the Qira'at, and he tells you, you learn a lot. And I remember Habib Omar, uh, when he gave, he used to have give a Monday night tafsir. I, I don't know if he still does. In public, in tarim. Right? And, and he used to read from Baghawi. And he used to give all the Qira'at. Okay? And Qira'at is a beautiful thing when you see the different dialects upon which the Qur'an was recited by the Prophet ﷺ, revealed to him and recited by the Messenger wasallam, you get a lot of different uh, nuances in the tafsir. Okay, so that's why tafsir al-Baghawi is preferred by Imam al-Haddad. It's preferred also, it was referred to me also by my fiqh teacher, Sheikh Mahmoud Shabib al-Maliki, in, in, in terms of the, um, uh, like a contemporary scholar, also still referring Baghwi, it's, it's a shame that it hasn't been trans, uh, translated. And it would be a great project for four or five brothers to get together and do it over the span of three years. But they would really need someone to crack the whip to make sure it gets done. Because these big projects are very hard to get done. <laughs> we have brought it down. Okay, meaning... It was brought down by somebody else. Nazala means it came down. So, for example, uh, Nazal implies that something came down itself. Anzala implies someone brought it down, which is correct because the Quran does not just fall from the sky. It was brought down by Sayyidina Jibreel. How is it brought down? Well, it was in the heart of Sayyidina Jibreel. 
and then he recited it to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Or he impressed it into the heart of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Every one of us, we need to have a good literacy in our religion. How was the Quran revealed from Sayyidina Jibreel to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? The Sahaba asked this question and the Prophet said in two ways. Answer is two ways. Sayyidina Jibreel comes in the form of a man. That man looks like the companion Dihya al-Kalbi. He looks like him. And he simply recites the Quran to him. And the Prophet remembers it. That was the easy way in which the Prophet ﷺ received the wahi. Then there was a difficult way. And that way was that Sayyidina Jibreel did not come in a visible form. But the Prophet would feel a pressure upon his body that was so heavy that a camel would have to sit down. Or that a Sahabi one time, the Prophet just barely had his... Imagine two people sitting like Indian style. Your knee is barely touching someone else's knee. Barely. That happens all the time. If you're crouched up, your knee is a little bit over someone's knee. Well, the Messenger's knee, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was over the Sahabi's knee. When the wahi came upon him, that man said he felt his femur, the thigh bone, was going to break. That's your strongest... I think it's the strongest bone in the body, the femur. Yeah, definitely one of the strongest. It is a, it's, it's terrible if you break it. To snap right? that would be... To snap that is... Require a lot of effort. Yeah, the, the, the amount of healing it takes, because your whole body is on that. 50% of your weight is on that. He felt that his femur bone would break, right? That's how heavy it was. Furthermore, if it was cold, the Messenger وسلم, would sweat from the pressure. If it was a cold day... And, and the desert cold is really bad because there's no buildings, trees, or mountains to stop the cold. So the wind would just come in. And the Sahabi, uh, one of the Sahaba, he wished that he could see what revelation looks like. So one time the Prophet was sitting with the Sahaba, وسلم, and Sayyidina Umar knew that the Sahaba, Sahabi wanted to see what revelation looked like. So the revelation came on the Messenger, وسلم, and Sayyidina Umar said, uh, Fulan, come, this is what you want to see. And they watched the revelation come down on the Prophet ﷺ. So why was this the case? Why, what is the wisdom? First of all, there's no why asking why about this. We can only say what are the wisdoms of this. One of the wisdoms of this is that by seeing this d- demonstration that the Prophet is sweating in the cold. He's sweating in the cold. The camel... You cannot conspire with a camel to do tricks, to do anything, right? The camel is not a trick, a type of animal like a horse that you can train a horse to sit down, to do these like little things. There's a type of dancing with horses where the driver of the horse, the rider, doesn't look like he's moving. But he's just tapping the horse so gently, you can't see the tapping. This is a special type of dancing with horses. Just show you how sophisticated the horse is as an animal, that you can do these types of things with it. You can't do this with a camel. You can't conspire with a camel to make it sit down like that. The camel is such a stubborn animal. It's never going to sit down by just a tapper or whatever. So to see that the, they see the camel struggling. They see a man, he's about to break his bone. You cannot make this stuff up. How, it, okay, show, tell me exactly. How is the Messenger going to put so much pressure on a person that he's going to break his bone without a, you physically seeing him do that? So that demonstration of the wahi that the Sahaba saw with their own two eyes, it removes, 
Now, of course, the Sahaba don't have any doubt in the first place. But Iman can be strengthened, right? You can have Iman, you can be certain about something, but there's different levels of certainty. I have a level of certainty, let's say that you're back from Jordan because a brother texts me. But what are the chances that the brother made a mistake? It's Ahad, Khabar Ahad, right? He could have made a mistake. He could have misunderstood. There's a lot of things that an honest and, and smart brother could make a mistake, right? But I'll say, okay, I believe you. But that level of belief is not the same as when I see him with my own two eyes. So the levels of certainty are different. Okay? When the Prophet was receiving wahi in this manner, it removed all... Man, what's happening? Good to see you, my man. Take a seat. The whole gang is here today, alhamdulillah. Uh, absolute certainty that they had with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Removing all doubt. And also giving them something to see. Right? It's one thing that I totally believe you, but I never see your workshop. Right? By the way, who is it that said that Sayyidina Jibreel used to look like Dahil Kalbi? The Sahaba themselves. Right? They knew it's not Dahil Kalbi. They just said he looks like him. So the revelation was something that the Sahaba used to see. And this is so important. Because to, to, if, if you go and invent something, you go produce something, I'd never see your workshop. It's so different than when you always see the workshop. Like you're working in public. That's why restaurants, when there was doubt, when, the, when doubt developed about the cleanliness of restaurants, what did they start doing? They innovated something that never used to exist in the past. Health certificates. They have health certificates. And they also put a glass. You could watch them cook, right? You could, by the way, they don't have health certificates in the countries that we just went to. Oh. I just came back with a bug. Did you come back with something? Maybe. I don't You're, know. Yeah. <laughs> it's always there. They have microbes in those countries also that... Um, it's good though. So you build your immune system stronger. Yeah, build it up. Like <laughs> Ibn Battuta. Yeah. But what they started developing in these restaurants, if you go, you see the guy making the pizza right in front of you or cooking right in front of you. They put the kitchen right there for you to see so you can trust that it's clean. Yeah, like the sushi is always made in front of you because fish is very... You worry if it gets rotten or not. So the idea that there's something for you to see is an amazing, also added level and layer of the truthfulness right, of the deen that it's out there in the open. The Sahaba, you want to see Revelation? You can look at it. This is, so nobody could ever think in his mind, well, what's really happening when this Revelation is happening? No, you see it right in front of you. And there's only two ways in which it happens. So... Subhanallah, this is where the Inna Allah la yistahi min al-haq This is such an important verse Allah, is no, there is no hesitation about the haq What does that mean? That means, one of the meanings of uh, Samira is asking who is Dihya al-Kalbi Dihya al-Kalbi is the name of a companion Dihya al-Kalbi His tribe is Kalbi because they used to train dogs So Inna Allah la yistahi min al-haq Why? Because sometimes the truth may hurt someone we love or somebody that we don't want to hurt them, right? Or somebody that we hope to have a good impression of Islam. So we don't say the truth, right? All of it. We may say, for example, you get uh, some kind of polished executive, right? Oh, what is Islam? 
you're not going to say, well, the first thing we do in Islam, we cut off necks, right, of apostates. You're going to be like, okay, this is a bunch of craziness and leave, right? That's what he's going to say. We're not going to say that. We're going to say that's quality control. Sir, don't your company have quality control, right? <laughs> you got a bad bagel. You're going to sell it. Dunkin' Donuts, you have a damaged donut. What are you going to do? Separate the wheat from the chaff. We separate, right? We don't want you hanging around with our community, right? Uh, with your murtad uh, and, and your uh, whatever, your apostasy. What do you do with your phone when you got too many files? Delete. Delete. <laughs> right? We got a, 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 a apostate and a murtad. We delete them. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. From uh, Allah is not ashamed. It not, what's the best word? Haya. Haya for us is, <coughs> I'm embarrassed. I don't want to really hurt this guy's feelings. I don't want to say something that's going to offend them. That's us. Allah la yastahim al Right? Allah is not, has none of that, uh, what we have of hesitation about the truth. Furthermore, there's nothing to hide about the truth. The truth is out there. The sun is out there. The moon is out there. So the revelation's out there. And the Sahaba will be able to see, okay, the revelation. So, Okay, so here is something. means that when you have something that's so lofty, you, you immediately go to the pronoun. Or, ism al-ishara. Here, inna anzalna hu. The hu here is a pronoun. We have brought it down. doesn't mention what it is. Alif lam mim, thalika al-kitab. That great book. Okay, thalika is the first word describing the Qur'an. That, which is for something far, or it's for something grand. Okay, which abstractly, physically, and it is grand. It's grand, number one, but it, it is physically far because where was it revealed? First, in Allah al Mahfud, then in Bayt al Izzah, which are physically far from us. These are physical places, and it is physically was far from us. Okay, and it is far abstractly in that you'll never encompass all of its meanings. So it has all these meanings combined. Okay, so when you go straight to the pronoun, that you're actually aggrandizing something. means the lowest heavens, which is that above us are, are heavens that are different from paradises. There are seven paradises. Nobody enters paradise until the Messenger وسلم, it is open for him. That's why you're lucky to be a Muslim. Because every group will be with their Prophet. Right? And all the Prophets will be looking for the Messenger وسلم, their Imam. The Imam of the Prophets is the Messenger. You may be asking, oh, we're lucky to have this great Ummah, but I look around at the, the Ummah of Islam... It's a mess, number one. There are groups, there are sects, the countries are dirty. Everyone wants to be in the West, right? We're saying to you, this is as if you are meeting the greatest athlete or model in, in history without comparison when they're 80 years old, right? Imagine meeting Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, 
right? Or some other great when he's 80 years old. Does it change the fact that he's the greatest in his field? Muhammad Ali. You meet Muhammad Ali, right? At 80 years old. He can barely move because he's so old. You never had a religion vibrant for 1,500 years. It's never happened in history. There's going to be a downfall of the people, the vibrancy of it, not the truth of it or the deen itself because the Prophet said Islam is the highest and nothing will be ever higher than it. That means it's, it's, it's con- the concepts, the ideas, the belief, the, the, the teaching itself. But the vibrancy, of course, the vibrancy dies down. Every generation, the Prophet said, is less than the one before it. Until you get to a level of decay that's just, is not every single athlete at a certain point when he reaches, let's say he reaches 30. The year after is going to be worse than the year before. You're not improving. You're not getting younger. Getting older. So, according to the histories of religions, most history by 1,400 years, 1,500 years, they're dead completely. They're just words. That's it. No one actually lives by them. What we're witnessing here is the exact opposite with Islam. Politically, it's, there's nothing there. There's no military, but no, in terms of individuals, no, there's, there's tons. There's tons of salihin and awliya in the ummah. There's just tons more munafiqin and fasiqin. The, the ratio is different. But the amount of salihin never decreases. The amount of awliya never decreases. Right? Because that would be a, a, almost an, a claim against the Messenger Sallallahu But the percentage does decrease. So in Mecca, what was it? 100% mu'minin. Once they went to Medina, were there more mu'minin or less? There were more. But was the percentage more or less? Less, because they were munafiqeen. In Medina had munafiqeen. So if you had, let's say, uh, let's say 100 Three, well, 300, if you add the women and the men and the women and the children, 300 Muslims, no hypocrites in Mecca. You went to Medina, and let's say, what was the population of Medina? 10,000? Now you have, let's say, 10,000 believers. But you have a, a number of hypocrites too. So the percentage goes down. Now the Tabi'een, you have all these conquests. Way more Mu'mineen, way more Salihin then in Medina and then in Mecca, in numbers, but also way more munafiqeen and fasiqeen. So the percentage may go down. So we may feel that we're so few, that's only relatively. But the number of salihin and awliya in the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is constantly on increase. Constantly on These are all meanings of that. Okay. What is to come is always better for you. That means the salah and the salam on the Messenger is in constant increase. That means there are more people mentioning the Prophet, praising the Prophet, every generation than the generation before. Okay. Of course, the quality is never going to be the same as the Sahaba and the Tabi'in, 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 but the number is always increasing. So this is something to understand. That the numbers are always increasing, but the percentage is decreasing. And you'll never have, you can never be at full vibrancy all the time. There's going to be a drop-off. And now we're in a situation, you have to understand, youth, converts, you have, we have a deen that if you look at the thousand years after the Prophet, show me one teaching, one teaching, 
that dominated its world for a thousand years. One teaching. Because the brilliance of Islam is it never pinned itself to a land or a culture. It has a holy land, of course, and it has a sacred language because it has to have something to unify it. But as soon as the Arabs went down, who started picking it up? The, the Turks. What did you say? Persians. The Persians picked up the knowledge side. Yeah. Who picked up the muscle? Turks. The Turks. If you go from the time, very early on, they were being hired as, as, as mercenaries, as soldiers. They are the ones who actually did all the heavy lifting physically, armies. What were some of these uh, uh, empires, uh, the, uh, the name is skipping my mind? The Seljuks, right? The Seljuks, all these, uh, these people came in very early on to do all... The Arabs stopped fighting after 100 years. They did not have an army. The Arabs did not have... Abbasids did not... You did not have Arabs in the army. Like an Arab army, it's done with after 100 years. It's all Seljuks, okay? Then you had the Persians rise up with the knowledge side of things, Right? And so after that, when that thing's waned down there, then you had a great Andalusian empire, right? So it's like wherever you go, what drops in one place, rise in another place. Drops in another place, rise in another place. First thing, you have no other idea, religion, that has this flexibility of culture and geography. Where wherever you look, any century, at any given time, there's two, three, four great, wonderful kingdoms, right? Dominant, safe flowering flourishing spiritually and fit materially politically financially militarily everything at any given time even india china you go so far indonesia i mean today in this day that we live in malaysia is one of the safest muslim countries to go live in right cleanest too cleanest they're proud of islam right you look at the internet, and they are there's one of the, some of the biggest organizations, some of the biggest uh, online operations, all coming from Malaysia and Indonesia. They weren't even a thing to be mentioned for the first thousand years of the Ummah. You didn't even know they existed. Guarantee you, guaranteed, go to an average, even a scholar, even a scholar, in one of the heartlands of Islam in the year 700 after the Hijrah, you don't even know Indonesia and Malaysia exists. Right? And here they are, really one of the bastions today of Islam. 100 million Muslims are there. When I look at the organizations, I was discussing with an Indonesian friend. He's like, oh, this is Dawit e such and such. Dawit such and such. These are like the Isna and the Ikna of Indo- Malaysia, uh, Indonesia. And he's like, oh, this organization, it's a small organization, only 50 million members. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? <laughs> that's how it is over there in those countries. Million. Yeah, that's how it is in, those country, in that country. Right? Indonesia and Malaysia. Amazing. <coughs> so, when you're looking at the religion of Islam and you're wondering, how is this the prophet is the greatest prophet and you're saying all this stuff and your eye is telling you something else, I'm telling you, and we're telling you, Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer to ever live. Go look at his footage in the last few years, you're going to see an old man. Right? That's what Islam has become. The Ummah of Islam, I should say, is an old civilization. It's ancient. And yet, at the same time, everyone's still afraid of it. Right? <laughs> That's actually the biggest proof, right? So the Quran was brought down jumlatan wahida in one complete the entire Quran from Allah al-Mahfuz to Bayt al-Aiza. So there are seven heavens 
and seven paradises. Leave the paradises aside, that has nothing to do with that. The seven heavens are abodes of existence that we cannot fathom what's happening in them. We cannot even fathom the size because the Prophet said it is like a ring in the desert. Right? You throw this in a desert, right? <clears throat> That's how small this entire universe that we're living in. And it's, we have light years to the sun and we haven't re- reached the edges of the universe yet. Right? We don't even know our coordinates. So like, the apple sign here, you could say, is coordinate 50 here and 50 here, right? Because we know the edges. Planet Earth, we don't know where we are. Are we in the middle? Are we in the corner? We have no clue where we are. Because we still haven't discovered the edges of the universe, right? And that's dunya. That is dunya. That means that this, all of this vastness of this universe and Hubble telescope and all those pictures that you see, is a small ring in comparison to the lowest of the seven heavens. Don't they say it's like 20,000 light years to the nearest star? It's, it's numbers that don't even even, at this point, even make sense to you. Very hard for the human mind to grasp. Yeah, the human mind can't even grasp it. Now, if you notice, Allah has given us from His ayat, his, from His signs of His power, He's given us things that are so massive, your mind can't grasp it. What is 20,000 light years? What does that mean? Right? that number your brain would blow up but also now we're discovering something also unique which is the quantum level right quantum is the reverse it's almost like all of that massiveness also exists in smallness that's what the word quantum means it means so infinitesimal many people misunderstand this there's a guy who's given a seminar to help boost your career he's calling it quantum leap that's like that much right he doesn't understand what he's saying Right, A quantum leap is the exact opposite. It's very minuscule. So when people say the word, that's one of those words, you know, quantum is, you could just say it anywhere you want, you sound like you're um, sophisticated and mystical and everything. And it means, it just means that as vast as the universe is, that vastness exists within us in terms of at a very small size, right? So this is from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he's given us, something so huge to look at and something so small to look at okay and see his signs now the Quran all of the heavenly books were revealed to their prophets in one one jumlatan all at once jumlatan wahid so all of the prophets received their heavenly book right away our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the only one to receive it okay in parts. But so that the prophets do not receive it, receive a gift that he didn't receive, then the Messenger وسلم, received it both jumlatan and mufarraq. Ala mukth. Ala mukth means over time. So he received it to uh, the Sama'at dunya all at once. So that the Quran was, has been revealed. All at once, but then the individual verses came to the Prophet Sallallahu uh, part by part, so that the Sahaba could feel that they're living with the word of Allah coming down to them all the time. ثُمَّ كَانَ يَنْزِلُ بِهِ جِبْرِيلَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ نُجُومًا When نَجْمِ إِذَا هَوَى does not just mean the shooting star, it means the revelation when it comes down. This is uh, Sidi Ahmed. 
talks about this. Nujuman uh, means part by part. So when Najmi ida hawa, when the when the the verses of the Quran come down, come hawa meaning coming down. When Najmi ida hawa, ma dalla sahibukum ma gawa. Your companion, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, did not make a mistake, nor was he tricked. This is Surah An-Najm. What do they claim about the Prophet ﷺ on the satanic verses? Where do they say that shaitan whispered a couple verses in the ear of the Prophet and snuck in? They say it happened in Surah An-Najm. And Allah Ta'ala preempted you all, knowing some people would say this about, surah, about these satanic verses. Okay? He begins the surah, they say it's at the end of Surah Al-Najm. That's the verse. These are the two satanic verses. Okay? Coming at the end of Surah Al-Najm, they say that as the Prophet was receiving Surah Al-Najm, then Iblis snuck these two words in. And it means these idols, the 360 idols that they had around the Kaaba, are like beautiful birds, like doves. Okay? And their intercession is to be desired. And that when the Prophet wasallam, according to this false story, he said this. Then celebration happened, unity and peace has occurred, we have a deal now. We have a deal. We worship Allah, but we use the idols as intercessors. Oh, ancient, ancient, Waqidi. Waqidi, I think, was one of the first to, to, to transmit it. Okay, which is, of course, why all the Orientals love him. Orientals love any deviation, right? Any deviation. So, uh, Waqidi says it. Some scholars repeated it. And then, but anyone who has any sense, they say, you said it in, they said it ends in Surah Al-Najm. Okay? And then, the reality is, Surah Al-Najm preempts all this. It says, when Najmi ida hawa, means al-wahi when it comes down and he doesn't speak from himself okay al-hawa the hawa of an individual is the receiving panel of a shaitan okay it's mentioned in the Quran itself وَمَا هُوَ الرَّجِيمِ وَمَا هُوَ الرَّجِيمِ وَمَا هُوَ بِقَوْلِ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ it's not the word of a shaitan rajim so where are you going you guys know, you know that why this is in the news lately? The satanic verses? It's because the guy got stabbed, right? Some, uh, what's his face again? Salman Rushdie. He's, in the, he's Indian. All this time I thought he's Persian. Yeah. Turns out he's, yeah. He's Jathab al Mustashfa. So uh, they said about this, Surah um, Najm, and that. There was celebration, and then word of the celebration reached at Habasha, and they said, oh, okay, there's no reason to be migrating anymore to Ethiopia, the first migration, so let's all come back. All that is not the case, and it is not true at all, no. that the Prophet ﷺ made a mistake in the wahi. And where's the correction? Right? One of the proofs. There is not a single thing that the Prophet ﷺ did then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought something different. And there's a wisdom behind this. Many people don't realize this. It's to give tashriya to both things. 
So why is it that the Prophet would do something, yet the Qur'an would come with the opposite? Doesn't that make the Prophet look bad, some people always say? Not at all. Both are musharra. That's why. Because the Qur'an is giving... Allah is basically saying you have options. The Prophet decided one thing, and Allah said, no, do the other thing. Both of them are options. For example, they always say... The Qur'an corrected, Allah corrected the Prophet ﷺ in Surah Abasa. Abasa wa ta'wallah. First of all, since when is frowning a sin? Frowning is not sinful. In fact, Abasa wa ta'wallah, that is the right thing to do as opposed to cursing somebody out. Yelling at them, saying bad words to them. So Abasa wa ta'wallah, that's what you're supposed to do. It's a natural human response. That's a natural human response. And the Prophet ﷺ did not say... Why are you interrupting us? Why are you bothering us? So I'm, I'm having a meeting. Any, any person is having a meeting with a big shot. Okay? Now, we, we give people their dues, right? This is even in our books and our works of tasawwuf. Is, is part of, it's a branch of humility. Give people their dues. If a judge comes in, let's say a judge says, hey, I'm learning about Islam, I want to learn and attend. Nothing but facts. A judge, a qadi from New, New Brunswick. Or we say, okay, brother, come sit here. No. You have to treat him with the respect that he deserves, even if he's not a Muslim. Because that's what he's used to. Right? That's the Prophet ﷺ's teaching. It's in Habib Omar's book on Tasawwuf. To respect you is part of humility. Now I'm having a meeting with a judge. Now some guy comes in and starts interrupting and asking about you know, questions of deen with a good intention. But he's interrupting. He's botly. He doesn't know we're having this meeting here, all right? And he doesn't know that we're supposed to respect this person. The fact the Prophet never said anything, that's from the ulu of the akhlaq of the Prophet ﷺ. Because 99.999% of the human beings would have this person shoot away and would say something. You don't see him having a meeting, right? So, that's the first thing to say. It is completely, 1,000% permissible. If it's permissible then how is the Prophet being corrected? He's not being corrected. He's being shown something easier for him to do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to make the matter easier for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How? By saying, O Messenger, whenever you have the pressures of the debates and the discussions with these elites, and you have a pious Muslim coming, like which one is the easier fruit? The low-hanging fruit, the pious Muslim. The da'wah is the harder part. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying he's making takhfif for the Prophet. He said, in fact, when you have to choose, go with the pious Muslim. Teach him. He's the one who wants to benefit. Right? The other one, yes, he's a big shot for dunya only. He's a big shot here in this hayat dunya outwardly only. But his heart is away from Allah. So go to the one who wants Allah. So it should not be that people say these things like uh, Quran is correcting Allah is correcting the Prophet ﷺ as if to say that this is a regular person making mistakes like me and you. Right? People really they this is they lose their adab with Surah Abasa and Surah Al Duha. Dalan means searching. Does not mean astray in this ayah. If he's astray, what's the sin that he did? Did he worship an idol? No. Did he drink? No. So they're not dal at all. Prophet was not dal from the respect of astray. They love these things. Wallahi al-Azim, the nifaq, the hypocrisy in the hearts of some people is, is like magnetically attracted. 
I want to speak about Surah Al-Duha so I can say something bad about the Prophet. So I heard, I, uh, I heard that uh, one of the signs of the Munafiqeen yeah. in Medina is they would always intentionally recite every single Salah Surah Abasa. Abasa, subhanAllah. Intentionally. SubhanAllah. Not like, you know, you're yeah. doing khatam and it's just you reach this Surah so yeah. recite it, or, you know, every once in a while. But they say, I remember hearing, Allah Alam, that that was one of their signs. They would intentionally recite Abasa. Yeah, there is, there, there are ibadat. There are actions in Islam that can be done with expressed purpose of, of, of something that's sinful or hypocr- hypocritical. What's the proof of that? Did not the hypocrites build a mosque? Yes. All right? And Allah called it Masjid Kufr wa Dirar wa Tafriq bayna mu'mineen wa irsadani min harab Allah wa rasuluhum min qabl. Four things Allah called this mosque. It's a mosque of Kufr. Right? It's a mosque of Dirar. Harm. They want to offend the Prophet And they want to hurt the Ummah. And conspire. And it's a masjid of Masjid Kufr. Wadirar. What do we say? Wa'irsadan liman harab Allah wa rasuluhum min qabl. And it's a safe haven for everyone who is against this deen. Right? It, they're plotting with the pagans. Min qabl. Liman harab Allah wa rasuluhum min qabl means the pagans. They, they make deals with the mushrikeen in this mosque. Right? So you can recite Quran with the wrong intent. You can, and Imam al Haddad calls Amanun Salih Urida bihi batil. Right? A good deed, but he means by it batil. We say about the whole Wahhabi movement and the will to make the Ottomans mushrikeen, it looks like piety. Oh, we want to protect the deen, but in fact, the result of it is tafriq. That was the third one that, that, that we missed. Tafriq, separation. And it's just an excuse to rebel against the ruler and now who is the biggest one about the ruler the ruler the ruler it's them, them. right so the, the nifaq of these people is showing up okay what time is it now how are we doing on time we're not going to finish this today for sure uh, it's 2.30 right now alright to show something is great, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, to show something is great, He asks, and who will make you know about Laylatul Qadr? Like, what is going to make you know about Laylatul Qadr? Summiyat Laylatul Qadri li'annaha Laylat taqdeer al-umur wal-ahkam. Some have said that your destiny for the next year finalized on this day. يُقَدِّرُ اللَّهِ فِيهَا أَمْرَ السَّنَةِ The affair of the entire year. Why? Because your ibadat, your a'mal, etc. have possibilities that they could be lessened. يَمْحُ اللَّهِ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيُثْبِتُ وَعِنْدَهُمُ الْكِتَابِ They could be lessened or increased. So what's an example? If I do ibadah and sadaqah and dua. Uh, qadr, bala, tribulation is destined for me. Okay? But if I did ibadah and I did dua and I did many things, either one of two things happen. Either that ibadah will act like arrows that will chip away and break away that qadr. Okay? Because the Prophet ﷺ said that the dua, it is continues to be that the dua and the qadr of a believer, يَعْتَرِجَانِ فِي السَّمَاءِ they wrestle in the sky. So it either breaks it up 
So I get small tribulations, not one big one. Or the other meaning of it is the ibadah and the dua will literally be so strong, it will the qadr will come down, but it will never hit me. It'll come down. What did the Prophet mean? It means you you live past it and die. And that qadr never hit you. It did come down. It was willed to come down. It did come down. But you blocked it. In the same way, don't we we build roofs and we block the rain? Do we say that the rain doesn't come down? The rain comes down, but you don't get wet. That's one of the wisdoms of it. Right? So that's one of the meanings of that. Uh, that Laylatul Qadr. Your the des- destiny is written. And they also say that this night is Fiha Yufraku Kullu Amrin Hakim, Surah Al Dukhan. It is said that that refers to Nisf Shaban, Laylatul Nisfi Min Shaban, and Laylatul Qadr. There's two different statements on that. So uh, here he says, here, Qadr Allahu Shayya Bittakfif. Okay. that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may declare a decrease in this matter or an increase in it an increase his risk decrease his sickness things like that okay. it is said to Hussein ibn al-Fadl أَلَيْسَ قَدْ قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ الْمَقَادِيرَ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ has not Allah decreed everything before the heavens and the earth were even created قَالَ نَعْمُ Qila, he was told, فَمَا مَعْنَى لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ Then what is the meaning of لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ? Qala, the Qadr is driven to whomever it was destined for. Mm-hmm. Right? It begins to be enacted for that person. The manifestation. The manifestation of that Qadr. And we can say that as Al-Qadr wal-Qadr. Al-Qadr is the decree. Al-Qadr is the manifestation of it. وَقَالَ الْأَزْهَرِ وَلَيْلَةُ الْعَظَمَةُ وَالشَّرَفُ مِنْ قَوْلِ النَّاسِ لِفُلَانَ عِنْدَ الْأَمِيرِ قَدْرِ So when you say قَدْر, it does not always mean the issue of divine decree and destiny. It means greatness. قَدْر الشَّيْءِ قَدْرُهُ عَظِيمُ Yes, قَدْرُهُ عَظِيمُ His worth is great. His status. الْجَاهُ وَالْمَنْزِلَةِ قَدَّرْتُ فُلَانًا أَيْ عَظَّمْتُهُ قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ they didn't give Allah the uh, due that He is worth, they, they, that, that He deserves. They really take it lightly, and they're going to see. They're, gonna take, they're taking it lightly, but they're going to see, because we're all going to die. And that's where it's going to be qawlun fasl at that point. Complete. So every atheist... Did you read, I, I read you guys about that atheist, who right at the moment of his death, he was talking to beings... There was an atheist who lived his entire life against God, right? Arguing for atheism against God. Okay? And then he grew old, and you know when these, they just... See, we grow old with so much dignity. When a sheikh grows old, he becomes a baraka. He's surrounded by people. When you're surrounded by people, that removes a lot of the natural sadness of aging. Like when you get really old, but you're surrounded by people, right? So... This man, he had nobody anymore except his wife. He had a grandkid. That's it. His wife dies. Now he lives 20, 10, 15 years after his wife dies. Now he's completely lonely. 
Now, in this loneliness, his mind changed, right? He's like, there's no way all this life that I live can be meaningless. It's got to be a reason. So he slowly started to go away from atheism until his son, his grandson decided to make a video of him. Like, it was a video of your last few days, etc., etc. He said that, um, like, in the last day of his life, he was talking to unseen things. That's also recorded uh, with a lot of imams that have passed away. Yeah. Like Imam Ahmed Hanbal, when his, uh, his son told him, say, La ilaha illallah. And then he heard his dad say, no. And then he was passing in and out of consciousness, Imam Ahmed Hanbal. So he passed out of, he lost his consciousness and then he regained consciousness. And he looked at his son, he said, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. And his son said, I told you, say, La ilaha illallah. And then I heard you say, no. And he said, I wasn't talking to you. Ajeeb. He's saying, I was talking to Shaytan. Shaytan was trying to make me doubt Islam at the last moment. Ajeeb. And I said, no, I'm not going to doubt Islam. SubhanAllah. And that is from the things that we're warned about. At the last moment, Shaytan comes and gives doubts. Right? Which is just something, SubhanAllah. Um, he tries uh, up until your last breath. SubhanAllah. There's something like Shaytan was saying, oh, you have finally vanquished me. Yeah. And he said, no, not yet. Ah, subhanAllah. Subhanallah. What was the one, um, who was it? There was a great mutakallim. Yeah, Imam Razi. Yes, tell us about Sheikh, that. Sheikh uh, Najbuddin al-Kubra. Yeah. So, it was said, Imam Razi, rahimahullah, was on his uh, deathbed. Shaitan came to him and said to him, give me a proof for the existence of Allah. So, Imam Razi gave him a proof. Yeah. And then the shaitan said something to counter. Then Imam Razi gave him another proof. And Shaitan says something to counter. And then another. And every time Imam Razi was giving a proof, the Shaitan would say something to counter it. So then uh, his Shaykh knew what was going on. Shaykh Najbuddin al-Kubra. And he told Imam Razi to say, just say, Amantu Billah and be quiet. Just say, I believe in Allah and stay silent. Mm. So when he said that, the Shaitan asked him for a proof. Uh, Shaykh Fakhruddin Razi he said I believe in Allah and he just remained silent and the shaitan couldn't say anything subhanAllah yeah subhanAllah I'm telling you sometimes the old folks and they always talk about the religion of the old lady Iman al-Ajuza yeah and the religion of the old lady does not contradict theology the religion of the old lady means she has no doubts about the basics that's what they mean by the religion of the old lady the old lady doesn't get into theology, right? Does that mean we shouldn't? When they say the religion of the old lady, what they mean is she knows the basics and she's solid on the basics. That's what they mean about the Iman and Ajuz. They don't mean that she uh, doesn't debate issues and she doesn't get into issues. But one of the things about the, the elders, uh, there are some of these just common Muslims, they just go with their gut. You're Iblis, you're full of nonsense. You're lying. Everything that comes out of your mouth is a lie. I'm not even talking to you. The scholars have to. It's fard ayn upon, a fard kifaya upon the ulama. So much so that Sheikh Zuhair said, if Iblis wrote a book, one of the mutakallameen would have to respond to it. He would have to read it and respond as a fard kifaya on the class of ulama. Right? But that doesn't always mean that that's always the best strategy of dealing with Iblis. And when we say dealing with Iblis, we mean all the Iblisi movements that, that are out there. There are Iblisi movements. There are Iblisi people who will suggest stuff to you. You don't always have to answer them. 
Sometimes you just have to say, You're, I'm, not, I'm not even discussing anything with you. I'm not talking to you. Sometimes the best response is silence. Yeah. Sometimes there's a fitna. The best thing is to not talk about it. Yeah. So it dies out and dies down. So it dies sometimes out. Sometimes some fitnas you need to address mm -hmm. because or otherwise it'll spread. But sometimes there's fitna, they're just someone who wants attention. Yeah. And if you give them attention, the fitna will only grow. So it's better not to give them anything and just let it die. You just shoo the shoom away. Yeah. And that's one of the wisdoms of that phrase, the iman of the old lady. Okay. Let's stop here because... Um, uh, uh, this is a longer surah, and we will stop here. And let's go to the today. We have comments, questions. We have Sheikh Murad with us. We have Uthman, the Wizard of Oz, with us. We have Ryan at the mic. We have uh, Suhaib is with us too. So let's stop here. Let's turn to Instagram. We have an hour, less, little less than an hour. We have a little less than an hour, about 45 minutes to do an open QA today. Okay. Is the Instagram fuzzy or is it just my download? It hasn't downloaded clearly yet. It's crisp. It's crisp? Good. All right. Let's see. All right. Put your questions in now. Remember, I don't like to scroll up because it can oftentimes mess up the, uh, the, the feed. Okay. Lily Rose. I think someone else's mum wasn't too good, but my nephews weren't too well with COVID. What's the mom? The mom. That's British for mom. M-U-M. M-U-M. English fosha. Yeah. Are towels that are used to clean private parts nedges? I mean, there's a difference between nedges by Sharia and disliked by you personally. So... Najasa, we know what najasa is. Blood, flowing blood, semen, urine, defecation, vomit, acid reflux, uh, liquid intoxicants. Okay? All that's najas. But, uh, so, sweat is not najas. Right? Dirt is not najas. So, there may be something disgusting to you, but it's not by sharia najas. And stains and colors, scents, we're not taken to account for. So there may be blood. Let's say there's blood flowing uh, off a person onto a towel. So that's Najasa. When you wipe it out with water, and the moment the water comes off cleanly, there's, it's not Najasa anymore, even if it's still red. So there's a big difference between what disgusts a person and what is Najasa. Likewise, in the Madiki method, there's a big difference between what is disgusting and uncommon to eat and what is haram to eat? So whenever the Prophet ﷺ forbade eating something, the Malikim fiqh takes it as that's out of disgust and it's uncommon to eat, not haram to eat. So for example, lion, tiger, dog. It's forbidden, not a pro, for prohibition, but a karahi, a prohibition, uh, a pro, for, uh, forbidden for Tahrim, but he forbade it for karahiyah. Okay, it's just makru to eat these um, siba, the pre predator animals. Predators. Yeah, to eat a predator in Maliki fiqh is makru. Okay, is feeling like life is passing you by and you are living the same year 
with no progression, a sign of idleness, you always want to feel like you're progressing. I think that progress is something you feel. It has signs. It has, you always feel that you're progressing. And if you feel like you're not progressing, then number one, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not. You could be progressing so slowly. Okay. But um, it is possible that you are progressing. But number, you always want to, you don't want to feel that way too long. You want to feel that you are progressing. So sometimes put a little more weight on the bar. Whatever the, it is that you're doing, put some more time into it. Put some more intensity into it. Okay. HBAS3. May Allah bless the whole crew. We miss you the last couple of weeks. Alhamdulillah. It's glad to hear that. Um, see these nice prayers from people. Right. And may Allah also Amen. accept from you. Hamdala says, Is Yazid in Jannah? Uh, it's not for us to discuss Yazid. Right? We know what he did. And we know that the Quran has established la'na and many harsh punishments on murderers. And we know the Prophet ﷺ established la'na on those who instigate fitna in the city of Medina. So that we know. And did he die upon Tawbah? Allahu alam. We don't know that, right? So there's no record of that. So um, he did not die in a good state. He died upon revol- revolting against Mecca. That's what he died upon. He died having just sent his army to, to, revol- to, to quell, sorry, not revolt, but to crush Sayyidina Zubair Abdullah ibn Zubair I mean It's not a good death I'm honest with you HBAS 3 Starting law school Allah Ta'ala give you tawfiq HBAS where are you starting your law school Are you out of England Or are you here Muhammad Saud says I read a post on Instagram Which said that every woman Is made from her mahram's rib Interesting Her mahram being like her dad? Does does he mean like her like her husband? Probably husband. Husband? What? Uh, uh, and that she get and then she gets married to him. But a woman may marry from many husbands. More than one husband. By death and divorce. I I don't know about More that. I, we we don't have any of that in re, in our After religion. After husband pass away or divorce or. Yeah, like we don't have that in our religion. Maybe some other people have that, but we don't have that. What are some good books on tasawwuf? Start with Al Habib Omar's. Introduction to Tasawwuf. Start with Habib Omar's introduction to Tasawwuf. Is congregational dhikr haram? No, congregational dhikr is differed upon in the Ummah in terms of the unison of it. With the Hanabila holding that, some Hanabila, not all the Hanabila. And some of the early scholars in different madhabs that dhikr in unison, all the voices together, would be bid'ah makruha. Makru and others, the latter ones, all deeming it mandub. But dhikr out loud, many people doing dhikr out loud, has never been an issue. Has never been an issue in any madhab. It's one voice is the issue. Okay? One voice. And by the way, in practical real life, the idea of dhikr all aloud, all of us doing dhikr out loud is not a thing. You would leave such a gathering. Like, all of us doing out loud, separately. You would leave. Like I was saying, subhanAllah, an, you were saying, La ilaha yeah. Allah. And he's reciting Allah. Surah Al-Baqarah, mm-hmm. and he's reciting the Burda, right? And Ryan's reciting Jalal Khairat, and Suhaib is uh, saying, La ilaha illallah. You would leave such a gathering. 
you can't focus. Okay? So, for those who say yes, it is mashru'ah, dhikr, out loud, in a group, but not in unison. Is mashru'ah, they say that. It means it's part of the sharia. Show me one gathering of such dhikr. It's not physically possible. It's a cacophony. And when it did happen, by the way, here's, here's the biggest proof. When it did happen, what did the Sahaba do? Number one, when did it happen? Tarawih. They were all praying Tarawih separately. This one's praying out loud, this one's praying from Surah Al-Hujurat, another Sahabi praying from Surah Al-Baqarah. Everyone's praying Tarawih out loud. What did the Sahaba do? They said, this is not fathomable anymore. We can't do this anymore. It's a cacophony of sounds. You can't focus. So one of the Sahaba brought them all upon one imam. Right? So what goes, what's separate to be unified. Right? So even those who say, yes, it is mashru'ah, but not in unison, then at that point we say, show me one such gathering in, in, in practical real life. It doesn't exist. The only types of group out loud gatherings of dhikr that exist are those with one voice. All right. I have a question. Yes. Um, what about the... Uh um, like, does that, because that would indicate that, you know, if someone is reciting, you should be quiet and listen to them. That's, that is used as one of the proofs. Oh, okay. For why the Quran specifically right. should not be recited in a group. Yeah. There are early Malachites that have that and early Hanafites that have that. And it is, uh, Malik's fatwa is, he heard that there, there are people. There are gatherings. They recite the Qur'an together. He did not make inkar of it as a prohibition. But he said that's not the way it's done. One person recites, everyone else listens. Al-Shafi'iyah said no. Who said this? Because If the Qur'an recited, then listen to it and pay attention. That means do not pay attention to something else. The Shafi'iyah said this. But if you are reciting the Qur'an, aren't you paying attention? Right. So you are paying attention to it. So they permitted it for that reason. So they used the same verse, but they took the total opposite ruling. Because you are reciting Qur'an, so you are paying attention to it. So the Shafi'i, in Imam al-Nawi's book on um, Adab, Hamad al-Qur'an, he has a chapter on this, in which he, in a sense, debates the other opinions. And he says that group recitation of the Qur'an, all of us reciting the same surah out loud, is mandub and mashru' and valid and if that's the case with the Qur'an it's, it must be the case with all tasbih right it must be the case because the tasbih is in the Qur'an right sabbih isma rabbika al we all say that subhana rabbika rabbil izzati we all say that together in the Qur'an and the Qur'an is said is the greatest of dhikr so you can find it in a small passage of Imam al-Nawi's book Adab Hamalat al-Qur'an it's a very good book everyone should have it alright now let's go to um, Moab, Moab, from um, Moby Dick. Isn't his name Moab in Moby Dick? Uh-huh. Ahab. Ahab. Ahab, sorry. Uh, opponents of Islam criticize the practice of sex slavery. What happened to women to, of defeated soldiers? On the opposing side after Muslim, for, what do you talk? Why start talking about the Muslims? Let's talk about the whole world at that time. What was the world doing? And then, what kind of rules did Islam bring? The entire world at that time. Listen, you guys came to kill us. We are killing you. 
if we don't kill you, now this is known and accepted law of human behavior. You try to kill us, we are now allowed to kill you. If we capture you, we have the right to kill you. If we don't kill you, you should be thanking us. Okay? You should be thanking us. Because we can either kill you, sell you back to your people as ransom, or make you work for us. Your body's ours. If I can kill you, I can definitely make you work for me. Right? That's less. That's what the old world used to do. Or I could jail you, which is useless, because now I'm just spending money and time keeping you in a box. That's useless. So I'm going to do one of these three things. Now, if women were involved with that, then what happened in the old world? There was raped left and right. Right? I don't know what the laws were, but they definitely weren't what... They weren't laws that were anything friendly. That's for sure. It was a wild world out there. That's why so many people are related to Genghis Khan. Every other day I see, he says, well, I'm a Sayyid on my dad's side, and on my mom's side, we're from Genghis Khan. As if this is an achievement. That means one of your great-grandmothers was raped. Right? As if it's an achievement to be related to this mushrik. Okay? Is that, is that not, not true of the Desi culture and the Indian culture? Oh, we're related to Genghis Khan. Okay, well, I mean, the apple has fallen far from the tree. Because <laughs> you ain't conquered nothing, right? You're like, you are far from that. You're like, scrub, barely. <laughs> so, the, what they used to do in the entire world was modified by the world of Islam. And you people have to be practical. You can't just come and erase an entire thing. It's as if coming today... And we discover, let's say, that some practice that we have, like using paper money, we discover that that's going to lead to some great harm in the year 4,000. And they come around, oh, the year 2000, why don't they just eliminate paper money? You can't just do that, right? It's not how the world works. The Quran, the Sharia of Islam came to actually mitigate things and give them some edge of civilization until they could be altered slowly. And that's the case with slavery, men and women, slavery. It's also the case with, with polygamy. The four, you can marry up four women is a downgrade from limitless women, right? Jews and Christians going crazy about us and they hate polygamy so much. What are you on about? Your own prophets, David and Solomon, had over hundreds and thousands of wives and slaves. And you're coming to us, right? When the prophets I said, said marry four, right? Or the Quran says marry up to four and you're coming to us, go look at your own books. Right? So the Quran actually decreased this. Same thing with the matter of slavery. And when a, uh, a woman was taken as a slave of a person, then there were some cases where she was still married. Then the slave owner can't touch her. Right. So there's a lot of stuff in those chapters on the interaction with slaves. Also, if, uh, if their men died in battle and nobody was left except the women and the children, what would you have them do? Go back, to, go back out on the streets? They imagine a world as if there's a social security system. Yeah. And there's no there's safety a, net for them. If you're office, out on the street, you're right? out on the street. Yeah, yeah, have you seen the book of Eli? You need to watch the book of Eli. Just fast forward through the movie. Just take a look at what the world was like. That's what the world was like. If you didn't have a protector and a man, you're out there in the wilderness. You could not survive one day, right? And a man could not survive without a tribe either. Yeah. You'd be ganged up on and, and you'd have to join a tribe. People just don't understand what the world used to be like, right? 
Women, women were never expected to work either. Um, you know, not to get into the discussion whether they're allowed to. Yeah. Because just never, no society ever expected that women were going to be breadwinners, that they're going to be earners, that they're going to have careers. Yeah. Some did, but that wasn't the principle. It's the principle was that you know they're t- taken care of yeah. from the cradle to the grave. Their fathers, their brothers, their husbands, their kids. They're, yeah. They're the ones who are taking care of the women. That's that's correct, and also physically speaking, like it, it, practically speaking, I mean. It wasn't even possible. I remember reading a book about uh, West African life. What is life like in West Africa? This was around two, year 2002, 2003. The book was just written in the 90s. So we're talking about 1995, 96, 97. What is West African life like? And most of the people in West Africa at that point were, were like in tribes and villages. And what they would say is you wake up in the morning. Okay? You do what you can do when the sun is soft. Right, and then you rest again because at dhuhr, when the sun is harsh, you, everyone goes home and sleeps. So from that time, then you wake up again. It takes all day to prepare dinner. All day, right, to prepare a meal, and the women in the tribe they get together and they prepare this. So practically speaking, it was not even something possible. If we're going to eat today, someone's got to prepare that food. Today we can prepare a dinner in, in an hour. I can go to the supermarket, buy a couple things, that'll take me 25 minutes. Go home, throw it all in a pan, and boom, we have dinner in one hour. That was not possible not too long ago. Impossible. Dinner was a four or five hour operation. On top of that, changing a baby and doing laundry. Nursing, in other words. You know how long it would have taken? I cannot imagine... They used to have cotton diapers. That means that thing's got to be washed all the time? And we just took, throw it in the garbage, get a new one, right? No, they got to wash that thing all the time. Yeah. Wow, it's crazy. And then what about hanging the... Life, just living. My point is, just living took so much time and effort it's unbelievable we just don't understand that in the modern times and a woman in our religion we do have a concept of gender we shouldn't shy away from it we have a philosophy of gender things that have to do with labor and danger are the duty of the male things that have to do with compassion and care is the role of a woman Allah wants the woman to be soft in that regard and wants the man to be hardened in that regard you cannot certain things are soft certain things are hard in nature in life that's how it is Right? And that's what he wants. That's what Allah wants. There's only one gender that is called upon to kill the spider in the room. SubhanAllah. It's like in fit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in reality, yeah. right? There's in only reality. one gender that that's is. That's how it is. In reality. We saw. With that. We were somewhere one time and we saw a cockroach this big, right? Who's, who, can you imagine that? Oh, I killed yesterday's cockroach 50 50. You killed today's cockroach. So my point is to. We're going to live by, are we going to live by one, what, which philosophy are we going to live by when it comes to gender? We're going to live by Islam, then we live by Islam. We're going to live by secular uh, ideas on masculinity and femininity, live all of it by that. And don't come say, I'm going to do whatever I want, and then, oh, I was abused, you didn't protect me. How can I protect you? You don't listen to me, right? I can't protect, if my son goes, runs across the street, I said, don't run across the street. Right? And he runs, runs across the street. And then he gets hit by one of these drivers. What am I going to come up to? I, said, I told you. Right? You don't get sympathy. You don't get sympathy. I told you not to. 
to run across the street. So you don't listen to me, okay? You're going to get harmed. So the point is not to be a dictator, but the point is if you are the protector, you have the right to make certain decisions because I'm responsible for you, right? I want to go off of Washington State all the way across the country, live in a dorm and study the arts. No, right? <laughs> I can't protect you there. Can I protect you there? No, I can't. So then you, something bad happens, don't come crying to me. Because if you want to play that game, I'll do it too. Right? That's the only... It sounds like a bit rough, but the only way to actually get the message across, if you don't want the... What Allah has given us, that the father or the husband has to protect his wife and children. And you say, no, no, we don't want any of that. That's all the old world and the patriarch. We want to just go do what I was doing. Okay. Maybe I should do that too. Is it? All right. Okay, go. You get beaten up, get raped. Don't come calling me. Right? Oh, Murad goes, he's a man. He has his own agency. He goes, oh, I got beaten up in Jordan. If. Right? La Qadr Allah happened. What are we going to say? Oh, sorry about that, man. It's, he would, by the way, he wouldn't yeah, say that. He would, He'd be embarrassed. Oh, right? I was going to say, oh, I fell. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't say I got beaten up. You'd be embarrassed, right? So I don't point, start the fighting, I end it. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a circassian blood. But the, but the point being is that we just have to have one system that we live by. Right? And it's a generous system. I say, oh, should a woman work? Well, I mean, there are certain things that she's not, completely not wrong for her to do. Right? So we, you can't restrict it so much that what, are they, what else are they going to do? What else are they going to do in the day? They've got to do something. Right, to pass the time, to do. They, also, they have brains, they have wills, they have ideas. Right? Did they not get educated in these some of these great school systems and ed- universities? You can't just take that all the education and sit there and do nothing. You have to be practical about things. So some of the other brothers say, "Okay, no, just put her in a box," right? And that's like the Islamic living. No, it's not. How is that Islamic living? I don't see that. In any event, go ahead, Uthman. You were gonna say something. Uh, yesterday we went to like a family friend's house and they have like their daughters all grown up. They're, her family, like her husband and her together are bringing in over $750,000 a year. And they're just like talking about their kids. Like they have a three, two or three year old uh, kid and they're saying, yeah, you know, like he says things to, to the parents like, oh, you know, moms and dads are supposed to be nice, but you guys don't ever let me do what I want to do. Where is this three-year-old getting this idea from? And, it's, you know, like, they're talking about nannies and things like that. They're like, oh, we got the best of the best. We got a Korean nanny. And, you know, but the thing is, is that the food is different. And, you know, they're a little strange. This lady, you know, like, obviously, like, you know, everyone's situation is different. This lady is going out, bringing almost a million dollars a year to pay for someone to do the job that Allah, you know, created her to do. Yeah. And she's outsourcing the job to someone from a different culture. From like just it was just so strange and we're like you know these kids all they do is watch TV nowadays yeah and they just pick up on these ideas how is a three year old how do they even have this conception in their brains uh, fast forward in twenty years and see what the regret is like because oh, yeah. even for me personally speaking I can't stand missing out on any of my kids things for two reasons number one the world is crazy out there they need to be there needs to be like some presence there's ideas floating around right now if you want your kid to have islam there's effort needs to be put into to that number one number two 
when time passes, youth is the never comes back, right? Childhood never comes back. So I could miss out on a friend for a decade. Nothing will happen, right? He's still there. But you can't miss out on a childhood for a decade. I always feel bad every time I miss one thing because you never know it could be the last one, right? You just, you want to be, I want to, you want to grow old. And this is just general advice, life advice. Nothing to do with the deen. You want to grow old. You want to be 40 and 50 and say, I didn't miss a thing, alhamdulillah, as much as possible, right? That's what you're going to feel good about. You're not going to feel good about, you're not going to feel, I made a million dollars a year. I could have made two million. I don't think anyone says that, right? You're not going to regret having not made two million, right? I've only made a million. So you do need to make your money. That's one thing. You cannot, can't go without money. But you don't want to miss your kid's childhood. And that's where I feel like these ideologies are fooling us, right? Even uh, there, are, there are some business coaches that are demons. Right. Yeah. They're like, all right, I want to test you. You're about to go on your family vacation. You're about to go to your girl's uh, uh, graduation, your daughter's graduation, right? Your wife said she planned a great dinner for you. And then you get a business call that there's an emergency in the office. Which one do you choose? Right? So some of these business coaches do a deal with the devil in the sense that they will sacrifice absolutely everything, including the hearts of their own kids and their own wives for the sake of their career. It's not like careerism goes one way. It goes both ways. A man could have a... How many shiuch do we know? They're careerists. They put their mashiachah and their position as du'at, especially the du'at, and the storytellers and the qusas and the speakers. They put their career above their family. Even if he's just a, lo- a local imams do this sometime too. Put the masjid and the community as number one, but then you see the kid's sheikh is like the worst kid. It's terrible, right? How does one's skin fast? There is a, the fasting of the skin. Maybe you could say that the it, it, what is in the Madiq method makru to put on perfumes and to sniff it. Okay, is also makru to sniff perfumes because it's a pleasure. So they consider it makru. What is the aura of a woman in front of a woman? Aura al-mughallala, which is the private parts, right? In front, aura of a woman in front of the woman, private parts, the thighs, and do the Hanafis say it's from the shoulders to the knee? I know it's. I know the thighs. Uh, well, you basically would not be allowed to show except to your husband. Yeah, if you were to, uh, you know, you have to do you do your business or shower things like that. Yeah, the woman's not allowed to see that. What about uh, breastfeeding women in front of women? Have to double check. We have to check that out. This is this movement is disgusting. By the way, I was in the airport the other day. Woman just breastfeeding right in front of everybody. No shame. I saw. I don't know if this is true. I didn't. I didn't watch the video, but apparently there's a woman on a brain. On what? A woman on a plane, breastfeeding. There was a woman on a plane. I don't know if it's true. Apparently, she was breastfeeding her cat. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it no, was. It was fake. <laughs> no, I think. I think. No, the video. 
No, the video was real. The uh, cat was fake. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why she was faking. I didn't faking click on it. I was like, I, I, I don't want to watch this. I think it was just like. But the video was real though. It wasn't a. It wasn't a skit. But she had a toy cat. I, I, I she remember had a toy cat yeah. that she was bringing to her breast. Yeah. Yeah. For what reason? I have no idea. It's the weirdest thing. That in the is. World. That also is weird. S- some you. there's mental issues like with a lot of people. Uh, fictional frontiers says. Yep. If one is late to fetch and will miss the first rakah, should one pray the sunnah prayer quickly and join after? Well, in the Madiki method, I will tell you that we will say you pray your witted if you didn't pray it. Then you pray fetch and you can pray the sunnah, the two rakahs, um, after the sun rises. How to learn Arabic? Listen to as much Arabic. Um, lectures as possible and read as many Arabic books and I guess you try to take the courses when will the course with Sheikh Murad start we start the weekend of September 18th by the way we never mentioned you can support this podcast at patreon.com we have a lot of great supporters who have helped us and now if you start turning you'll start seeing libraries right that we're putting together and, and we, have, we appreciate all the support of every patron that we have Okay. All right. Watermelon 786, do you advise marrying someone who falls short in terms of practice but is willing to improve? No, no. As as they are, expect them to be forever. Okay, so you have to accept them. Uh, Expect them not to change, uh, not someone who's trying to improve. But uh, what I mean by that is in obligations and prohibitions. Not within the realm of obligations and prohibitions, right? So if a guy is, he's just a general Muslim, but he doesn't do anything haram, and he fulfills his obligations, then fine. Then that, then the claim, I want to get better, fine, I accept that claim, and no problem. But if he's false, oh, I pray three times a day or two times a day, and I'm just trying to get there, then expect him to stay there, right? You, so you should, you should not have expectations of change. That's the philosophy. And, and here's a better philosophy. Um, you want to marry somebody? All right. In 20 years, that's your son. Are you happy or not? That same guy that you see right in front of you who's proposing to you. That's your son in 20 years. Are you happy with that? Marry him. Are you not happy with that? Don't marry him. Because that is very likely what's going to happen. Right? If anything, the challenges of life, they etch away at our religion in a sense, I have to say. Yes, people sometimes get better, but the challenges of life, and especially we're not living in an era that's neutral. The fitten are getting worse. So the etches away at religion. Okay, so um, that's, that's my opinion on it. The way that you want, when you see someone proposes to you, a man proposes to you, you tell yourself, that's my son in 20 years. Are you accepting it or not? Right? Or that's my son in 30 years. Or daughter. Maham says, do you advise marrying someone who falls short? Yes, okay, so that's the, the answer. That, so if he falls short only in Nawafid, for example, he doesn't attend classes, or he, but he prays and he fasts, then that should not be the reason to reject a guy, right? Or a woman. Falls short in Nawafid, in extra things. Okay? But he eats halal, his finances are halal, his job is halal, he prays and he fasts. What else do you want from the guy? Right. <laughs> I have, going back to the question you asked, I have here. Uh, 
in the Hanafis, yes, it is prohibited for women to expose their breasts to other women. Okay, so breastfeeding in front of women to women is forbidden, let alone women to men. Is it permissible okay. in the Vatican for women to front of women? I have to double check, to be honest with you. What about someone has a doubtful past of major sins? No, you judge them by their now and their recent past. That's how you look at a person. And we don't ask around, did you go commit major sins? And even if a person uh, did do some mistakes in his past and you know about them, you should really, otherwise you're just going to eliminate too many candidates. You go by the recent past. Why? Because Allah accepts tawbah. If the person's tawbah is apparent in the community, meaning that, yeah, we all know him, we all know he's, he's good now, he's better now, maybe he had some... Yeah, like his recent past is good. Like last four or five years, he's shown that he's over that stuff in the past. Tahir Omar, if the husband was a good person and the wife not a good person, does she get to go into the same heaven as the husband? She can be forgiven. He can make shafa for her and she can be elevated. That is uh, based on the saying... Uh, and the dhurriya here is the offspring we, bring, we make their offspring catch up to them in paradise and that includes the wife too strangers 14 please make dua that I get married soon may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give everyone here who is seeking marriage the tawfiq and the spouse that they're looking for make them happy in this life and the next. Uh, Ummah resurgence. Oh, it's marriage is so important. Allah knows. What is the first relationship that Allah created? You should be you should be also be saying Amin. <laughs> no, I'm good. I just checked the uh, should be, He should be saying Amin last. <laughs> It's only allowed because the mic is in front of me. I'm the most content, actually. <laughs> Mar- marriage is one of those things. What is the first thing that Allah created for Sayyidina Adam? Marriage. He didn't create a son first. He, didn't cre- he could have created a daughter first. He could have created for him any relationship. He could have created a friend, right? Like a Sahabi. But he created for him the wife. And that wife, that relationship is so powerful that it caused them to not be aware, to forget of Iblis's tricks or they didn't even know about Iblis's tricks right about the, the tree okay so that's how much they were he Satan Adam fell asleep when he was alone and he was in Jannah and he fell asleep that's why they say that the companion before the abode pick your travel companion before you pick your destination what's the point if you get a trip to Hawaii by yourself right would you rather go to trip to Hawaii by yourself or a trip to, let's say, um, like uh, one of our Jersey Shore with 10 guys, 10 of your friends. Which one would be better? Or a beautiful woman, right? I'd go with Ryan. Huh? I'd go with Ryan. Okay, listen. You get a halal wife, halal, a beautiful woman that you can marry and go on a vacation with her to Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. A weekend with her in Philadelphia. Or... A weekend by yourself in Hawaii. We have to go by myself. You'd go by yourself? <laughs> we gotta get in touch. No. <laughs> I will go to Philly. You'd go to Philly with your wife or go all by yourself just like no. Cleveland. You guys are gonna upset the people from Philly listening. <laughs> What's that? What are you gonna do by yourself? Yeah. We're really gonna enjoy it. You need someone to share it. 
Yeah. Yeah. How do you enjoy anything? If the husband was a good person, we answered Tahiruz. In Mecca, can you combine the 12 Raka'a Sunnah with the Sunnah of Tawaf? Well, Fuad is asking because there is a hadith. The Prophet said, whoever recites, prays 12 Raka'as, he earns a palace in paradise. Well, the Madakiyah say that's 12 Raka'as of Tahajjud, not 12. No, it's the 12 uh, Raka'as, but the two Raka'as after uh, Tawaf are wajib. Okay. So, yeah. no, the two Raka'as after Tawaf, by the way, that, that is not a nafila. That's a wajib. When you make Tawaf for Umrah or Hajj, Make tawaf, you go behind Maqam Ibrahim, those two rakas are fard upon you. Even if the entire Umrah is a nafila, but it is fard to complete the nafila. It's sinful to yeah. abandon a nafila once you started it for no reason. If you start any good deed that's a nafila, and you, you're, you're, it's wajib to complete it. Yeah, it's wajib to complete it. Yeah. Handala says, Is reward for an action based on quantity or quality? It's different based on the actions. Hajj is the quality. Dhikr is the quantity. Fasting is the quality. Again, dua and dhikr is the quantity. So certain things are quality, certain things are quantity. What are both? A little bit of both is salah. Sadaqah is quantity. But maybe quality too. Because there's the way of keeping it secret. Keeping your sadaqah secret. Uh, Muhammad Faik says Math If this has been discussed already Math means what exactly? My fault? Or what? No. What does math mean? Like forgive me Ma'af Oh it's an Arabic it's word in, Okay. No it's Urdu Urdu where, sh- where should one go Umma says To study abroad um, Well Sheikh Murad just came from Jordan So you can talk to him He's got resources Sheikh Harun is in Egypt you went Turkey to also. Turkey. So we have resources in Turkey. We have resources in uh, Jordan. Do your research and pray Sikhara. Yeah. Uh, there's Yani maybe it's a good place maybe it's a good place for someone else, but not a good place for you. Yeah. It's not a one size fits all kind of thing. That's a good answer. Yeah. If I'm afflicted with a trial of health, what's the best dhikr to do? Is a salah at tabiyah, which you can find um on salawathub.com as-salat at-tibiyya some say 300 times make a lot of uh, al-murabita says such gathering existed with Quran students memorizing different surahs at the same time uh, yes but they're not that's true they memorize Quran at the same time everyone recites a little from their loh uh, this was in regard to us saying that the recitation of the Quran all together but that's not a gathering of dhikr that's like a school that's like a loud school that you go rewind back maybe 20 minutes to just to see what we were discussing about dhikr and Ryan will have the timestamps. if salawat on the prophet according to the Quran is salah and salam is salah Ibrahimiyah not sufficient? There's no salam. Allahumma salli ala There is salam, isn't there? Allahumma salli ala Sayyid Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Warham Muhammad wa Barakal Muhammad. Yeah, correct. There isn't salam. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Warham Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Barakal Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. Kama sallaita wa rahimta wa barakta ala Ibrahim wa Ali Ibrahim fil alamin nakmal mujid. 
the salam is in the tahiyyah and then salawat is in salah ibrahimiyah so the salam he's asking where is there no salam in salah ibrahimiyah the salam is in the tahiyyah what is the wisdom behind the prophet having more wives at one time and others Muslims were not allowed to do so because he needed to have pacts with those tribes that was something only allowed for him to have pacts with those tribes mango slicer inshallah I will have four wives if my first wife allows me to yeah that's basically um, the brother is has got a like um, icon of a 12 year old so <laughs> the comment follows alright I mean not to make fun of the brother there he is 100% Amin. Is finding anime characters attractive? Haram. No, it's not haram, it's uh, illness. What if you were a preemie, mom, twice, and the nurses came to check if the baby is latching on properly and feeding properly? Will you be held accountable for that? No, you're not accountable for emergencies. You can reveal your aura for emergencies, for darura and haja. Can you wear earrings in the Maliki Madhab if you're a woman? Halla White says, having mass, mass, you would obviously have to have it checked out. Yes. Like if you're having a mammogram or something. So emergencies, yes. In this day and age, can a wife help out financially? Yes, she can. I mean, say it, uh, if it's in a lot of households. They can't survive on one income anymore. So that's why I said, we as Muslims, we have a philosophy of gender is flexible. But when we go about talking about gender, we have to have one resource. We can't have two resources. Where is my source of authority and, and teachings and morals here? Is it Islam or is it some other ideology? That's all I'm saying on this. Okay. Lost in translation. Interesting name here. It says, Is it permissible to break vows made to Allah and seek forgiveness? In other words, vowing to fast a certain number of days if I go back to this sin, but I feel overwhelmed to make up the fasts. I would highly recommend not to go that route of making a lot of vows like that. Yeah. But if you do, you're held accountable to it. Don't obligate yourself with something you're not obligated with in the first place. Yeah, if you're not, if Allah didn't obligate it, then don't obligate yourself. Um, Anjum says he goes to a Hanafi Brailvi mosque. They do loud dicker together in unison. It's not one voice, but all aloud. But they're still trying to be in one voice. They're just not good at it. Because sometimes it's not that good at it. Sometimes you have a big masjid, and it's impossible to get everyone to do it the same way. Halil Safrovich says, book recommendation to you and Sheikh Murad, Sheikh Zahid Al-Kautari's book on determinism and free choice. Please put the link. Just an uh, additional piece of information, Sheikh Muhammad Zahid Al-Kautari was Circassian. Oh, I didn't know that he was Circassian. From, from the Shab Sukh tribe. I never knew that. Mufti Abu Layth, Mufti, uh, Layth mentions that Imam Najjar Sad Siddiq, see, he is somebody who goes 
and comes up with the conclusion he wants. Right? Then he goes searching for the answer. That's not sincerity in religion. That's not the way we do our religion. Right? We go to what is the dominant opinion of the method. That's what's correct. So anytime you see somebody coming up with the conclusion first, then digging and digging in the books, this is an item that is against you, not for you. Okay. Digging and digging in the books to find out a, ta- a, a fatwa for it. Bringing us uh, some fatwa. No. Will you ever come to the UK? Says Matiq. Maybe. I really want to come to the UK, but... Okay, let's go see what else we got on YouTube. Maham says, Is it permissible to break vows made to Allah? Oh, we answered this question. Yes. Event of you. What are some good ways to check into your spirituality about where you currently are and help your, you know, assess yourself, basically? You look at yourself, your friends. Who are you friends with? Who are you attracted to be friends with? Who do you want to be friends with? Who do you keep your time with? What is your recitation of Qur'an? What is, for example, um, your relationship with tahajjud, with service, with khidmah, with all these good deeds, you, you, with the masajid, with wudu, do you always stay on wudu or you're not? You grade yourself, if you, if, you, if you need to grade yourself, that's how you do it. You compare yourself with these good deeds. Zahra Mustafa says, don't forget therapy. I have seen many Muslim women who go to therapy to heal and end up being discouraged from their deen, motherhood and marriage. I'll tell you where everything gets messed up. If the so-called protectors, we're saying the Muslim, the man has to be, he's got to give his wife, daughter, a good life. Everything gets messed up if he doesn't do his job. Then she doesn't trust anybody. And then she goes, has to do her own thing. Can you blame them? Now if a woman goes and says, oh, well, my father was an absentee father. He never took care of me, he never did anything. He never helped me, he never paid for anything. Then she goes and does the thing on her how do, we, how do you blame her? Right? It takes two people to do the job. Right? Safiya says she said it was an emotional support animal, but it was fake. Oh. Alhamdulillah. Like it was a doll, though. No, I think like a stage. Some, another commenter was also saying it was staged. The whole thing is staged. Yeah. They did a good job acting, then, to be honest with you. The acting was like staged by one side of it or everybody? No, like it was like a whole thing. Yeah, paid actors. All actors. Yeah. They just, did a good job. We're too, just glad there was no uh, crossbreed fluids. Cross, oh my God. Uga Panda says, I'm confused. What if wife studies in a field that is mostly men? Would it be okay to let her work in that field? You have to look at the, what, the, what the work life is like. You go travel eight hours, work eight hours with some dude, some boss, uh, or some manager, and then they travel together, go into cars, they're in an office all day together. That stuff, at that point, there's, there are questions about that in the Sharia. And in general life, like, she's spent more time with that guy than you. Comes home, to your she's really tired, right? And there's a problem there, right? If you really want to do something, can you make du'a for it at every hour? Yes, you can make du'a at every second if you want. Are whirling dervishes allowed? I think whirling is allowed as a cultural dance. Is it a form of like ibadah and dhikr for us? It's more of a cultural thing. I would consider that yeah, as a cultural... You could, you're allowed to have, you have a cultural dance. You have whirling dervishes at restaurants. It's not like a... Yeah, you're allowed to have a cultural dance. As long as for the men they don't shake their hips, they call that kasr. <coughs> hmm. 
moving their hips. I call that cussing, that's forbidden. Because it's tashabbuh b'nisa. But if the dance is merely with the feet, right, the bottom half, like the depka, for example, that's permitted. If a husband is capable of providing for his family, can he force the wife to work? Of course not, no way. If he's planning to discard himself off of the wife, so he wants the wife to start working, so that he can easily leave her. He needs counseling. Uh, Dana, Dana, are you here? I think there's a sister named Dana that she's like a marriage counselor. They need you. Needs counseling. Where did she go? No, he needs counseling. Seriously, he's got issues. Honestly, but when we look at these things, you can't look at one-sided. Uh, there are people who they go the route that they go sometimes for a reason. Sometimes, yeah, it is like evil doctrines that are pushing certain things, but uh, or evil ideas. But there are people who are really messed up, and you wonder. You really say, wow, it could have been a lot worse. The reactions could have been a lot worse. What's the Hanafi position on joining Salah and not praying Sunnah if one will miss the first rakah of Fajr? Do you join so the Salah or you pray the Sunnah? The principle is the, the Fajr, the Sunnah of Fajr is Akad Sunnah. Sunnah. Akad Sunnah means it's the most emphasized Sunnah prayer. Okay. So our Fuqaha say, and they took this from Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud, that if you're confident that you can quickly pray the Sunnah of Fajr and catch. Uh, the fard salah fajr. Even if you miss just one rukah, then do so. Okay, good. If you're, but however, if you're if you're confident that if you were to pray your sunnah, you're going to miss the salah, all of it, all the fard salah, then just join the fard salah. Okay, good. Thank you, Muhammad. So it says, how do we encourage spouses to pray? There's a couple ways to look at it because sometimes people are innocently they don't pray. In other words, a new convert, right? He's innocent. A woman can marry a convert guy or a convert Muslim man, he marries a convert woman. And prayer to her is new. She's an adult. Prayer is new to her. The best thing is to constantly go to masajid, right? Until prayer becomes something normal. But if it is something where the man, he's born Muslim, he knows better, and he should be praying, then ultimatums, prayer or divorce. That's the best way to get things done quick. Ultimatums. But again, there are situations. What are that five kids? Right? Like life isn't so clean and cut. When you're young, you think it is. But life actually can... People make mistakes. They make tubba from those mistakes. They end up with a life that is not clean cut at all. So you have to be mindful of that. How to handle it if one is a field in a field where long, urgent tasks are given... That one sometimes cannot leave unattended and may may miss salah. For example, a surgeon, let's say. Uh, someone is, is, is in a type of very sensitive field of surgery or that he cannot, or a pilot. Let's say you're flying through Salat al-Fajr, right? There's no traveler's rukhsa for Salat al-Fajr. So you need fatawa for those, for, for those because if there may be somebody harmed, then it's like the situation of the Prophet ﷺ when it was at war. And they were at war and they missed Salat al-Asr because their life or other people's lives may be harmed. So that's a darura, right? And so you pray this qada afterwards. But it should not be a regular thing. You should be able to schedule your life to be able to pray five times a day. I've been married 10 years, says Moab. Never gave wife her dowry. 
as per our contract on the day of the wedding. Do my gifts I've given over the years count towards this? If not, can she forgive the dowry? She can, for, she can forgive the dowry. She can agree to a lesser dowry. She can do that. And, but your gifts to her over the years are not the dowry. Mm-hmm. It's so different. It's like giving sadaqa before giving your zakat. Correct. Because mahar is what, what's the ruling of mahar? It's an obligation. Sunnah does not take the place of an obligation. In the mal amal of the Yes, and actions are by intentions. Okay. Question. Shoot. Um, so, can can it be given like one person says this is the dowry, but the wife doesn't agree to the dowry? Like, can that happen? Like, say for example, I give a gift to my wife. Can I think that oh, this is going to the dowry, but she doesn't know this? She is the recipient of the dowry. She is the one who will declare, yes, I've received it. No, I haven't received it. So she must know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she must know. She has the right, if let's say a man doesn't pay his dowry on time, she has the right to refuse him now. Adizmin, you really want something, can you make dua for it every, yes, every single moment you can. Tahira Umar, I must have missed her question. What did Tahira say? Tahira says, What did Tahira say? I think I did answer her question, but maybe she didn't put that. Like, maybe I'm... If the husband was a good person and the wife was no good person. Yeah, so we did get to that question, yes. We have answered her question. If we miss the last third of the night, then in your sujood and after the salam and before the salam of the salah is the best time to make dua. I have to go, says Maham, Waikmasalam, and we are also wrapping up a couple more questions we'll take from Latif Ilahi. So to clear in the Hanafi school, if praying Sunnah before Fajr, do we finish the Sunnah and join the Salah late? Yes, as long as you can catch the Raka, he says. At least one Raka, which is the Rukua of the second Raka. Shafiqul Alam, what should a man look for in a wife nowadays? A general guideline or principles. Well, a prof- you go at the woman of deen, but you can also find her attractive, right? And that when you see this person, that's going to be your daughter in 20 years. Are you happy with that? That's one of the best ways to look at things. How to advise future spouse for them to stop using foul language? Ultimatum. Divorce. Stop. <laughs> it's not realistic but it does get the job done I mean uh, uh, not that I would have experience with that either way but uh, I'm just imagining that that would probably get the job done but there's got to be some kind of like uh, I guess you're going to go through it with him trying to help the guy out stop cursing he's probably listening to stuff that makes him curse right or hangs out with people who curse so it's all about your sohbah at the end of the day. Everything is sohbah. Everything is sohbah. Okay. What is up with the deal with mango slicing here? What is that? Is that Remember like... Remember the podcast like three, three weeks ago? What happened? About the circumcision. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It's code word now. So we have our own code words now, which is good. Tahira says, in Islam, does the wealth of the country belong to the ruling party? No, it doesn't. It belongs to the people. And the government is the manager of that wealth. Okay. 
Can one pay, Lily says, for someone else to do one's hajj if one fears for one's health in hajj? No. That ibadah cannot be done on your behalf. What should our view be towards Sharif Hussein of Mecca who revolts against the Ottomans? He shouldn't have revolted against the Ottomans. No. We're going to accept revolting. What if istikhara comes out positive, but you know this marriage will always be difficult because of the circumstances? You should really realize that istikhara is to make a matter easy, to make your decision known, if this is the right decision or the bad decision. It's not to make the decision for you. So you also have to use your own sense and don't be afraid to use your own analysis of things that this is going to be good for me or bad for me, right? So sometimes we get, we're split-minded on things. Keep praying istikhara until the matter becomes clear. If you're split-minded, don't rush for the decision. You keep praying istikhara and do istishara. Ask other people, right? Ask other people. And, and respect their advice. And that's let things go on slowly. Right? Let things go on slowly until they become clear whether it's good for me or bad for me. Mahmoud Zaini. How is God beyond time but actions are in time? Well, quite simply is that the actions are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His will manifesting. Umurun yubdiha wa la yabitadiha. So for example... The creation of the microphone, for example. Allah created the microphone through human beings, right? Or whatever you want to say. We say that this was in the knowledge of Allah and His will pre-eternally. But He manifested it in this time. You want to add to that? That's a summary of it. Okay, one more question. Neba Adam. There's a lot of good questions here. Umm Kalthum. She wants to study in Tarim, but, or someone, she's just a woman, and say herself. She wants to study in Tarim, but doesn't have a mahram available for travel. Hmm. Hmm. I know the Shafi'iyah have rules that if you can get there, if you're settled, Oh, you want a mahram? <laughs> so I have is available. But uh, I know that there is, the Shafi'i have rules that if there is a group there that is safe, then she could stay there at that group. It's getting there is the issue. So, Allah Adam, to be honest with you. Especially that it's Yemen. It's not like you're going to a city that... Uh, it's the travel that is the issue. In Yemen itself, the Shafi'iyah have rules, and I, I, we should probably double check, but I'm pretty sure, certain. The Shafi'iyah have rules where if the sister is safe in a group of Muslim women and a community, then the, the staying is permitted without a mahram. We have to double check that though. Okay. And Neba's question was... Um, Go back to Nebuchadnezzar. um, It's a two-part question. Is it okay for to distant a family member who has changed in a way by adopting more haram actions? 
I feel guilty. Uh, we don't cut people off, but we protect ourselves. And yes, if someone is an open sinner, munafiq, or they join some cult, or some heck, sect, heretical group, yeah, we do cut them off. But if we, if they're just going wayward, um, we protect ourselves. We do protect ourselves. Okay? By um, keeping a distance. Okay? There are a lot of other questions. We will have to get them later. Okay? We would have to get them later, inshaAllah ta'ala. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu wa amilu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.